So welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. Um, this week's guest is Graham Armstrong. How's it going, Graham? Thanks for coming in, mate. No, my pleasure, mate. Thanks for having us. I know uh, you're a busy guy. Oh, nonsense. <laughs> As we said in the build-up, uh, ordinarily anybody that listens to the show every week will know that we usually give the first sort of five, ten minutes out of the guest just to introduce themselves in their own terms. But I think you'd probably have to have been living in a cave for like the last fortnight, uh, if you're in and around the Glasgow area to know further Graham and the book he's in promoting uh, the young team. So, Graham, how's it going, mate? Uh, really well, mate. Um, not to give the, the classic intro, but my name's Graham Armstrong. My book's The Young Team, um, and it's based on my experiences uh, at Airdrie and Coatbridge gang culture um, in the, the noughties. Um, I wrote this book when I was in my first week's of withdrawal in 2013. Right. I stopped using drugs on Christmas Day and um, basically replaced one addiction for another. You know, I started writing this and I, I remember the first time I went to sat and write it, I, I sat down and I, I wrote the young team and I went, this is going to be Sweet 16, this is going to be a film I'm going to write, this is going to be a script, yeah. a screenplay. Um, and then I went on Wikipedia and, and after about 15 minutes I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck this shit, this is not for me, man. And I was in quite a like... Uh, frustrated state anyway, you know what I mean? And that's just it's like a, slug lines and internal, external, and I was like, this is just killing me. It's a hard one that in, in a lot of <clears> respects <throat> because, and, and again, there's been the obvious comparison um, in some of the stuff we've read about Irvin Welsh and that, and I remember I had a go at writing a book in very similar circumstances, yep. coming out of uni, it was, it was shocking, it was terrible. But like, I always thought to myself, I can't like smoke a joint and write a chapter and I was reading guys like Avram Welsh who were claiming to write entire books while they were after face on smack. And right. you're like, not to say that he's a liar and like that, but I'm like, as a thought process, like that recovery is so like intense and within itself already that to then try to make sense of it in writing is almost like you're doubling down on yourself a wee bit. No, 100%. Like for me, like I, I was in a really, like see when you say, oh, I was a drug addict, people assume you were on hard drugs. Like mm-hmm. you assume you're a heroin addict. Yeah. No, I mean, but like we were smoking 50 pound of cannabis a day, we were taking blues, do you know what I mean? We were drinking Aye. like ridiculous amounts. Like mm-hmm. everybody, just the normal, the yeah. rest of Scotland. But when you try and stop all that, after, you know, eight or nine years of doing it every single day, you've, you've got a problem. Definitely. You know? Um, and, and that was, you know, something that me and my mates, we'd kind of, we'd go on cycles, like one is we'd stop smoking green and then the other ones would try and we'd do it. But see when people say, oh, it's only green and that, but we got like physical symptoms as well. Like my yep. eyes used to go blurry and all that. And mm-hmm. but it was just purely because the, the stuff when they were talking about cannabis, it wasn't the stuff we were smoking. We were smoking the new super strength stuff. Ah, like, the I and all that. Rest of it, you know what I mean? I mean I'm, a, I'm an open advocate and user of cannabis, but when I talk to people, a lot of people, they either question my own personal use and they'll either they'll think do you have a problem and it comes down to, I always say this one thing it's about the individual yeah. like is it impacting your life like everybody will have their vices so see, yeah. unless it's impacting your life negatively then yeah. you don't have a problem but see when you're smoking 50 quid a day and you don't make 50 quid a day yes you've got a fucking problem but Aye. I, spend absolutely. 50 quid a day on anything you've got a problem well, honestly so. you know, unless you're earning a few quid which we weren't at the time like, no Exactly. John Mackay on uh, Scotland Tonight asked me, how, d- how did you fund it? You know, and I kind of laughed and I went, I beg, borrow, steal. But the reality was, mate, that we lived on about a 10 or 12 quid's worth of food. And me and my mate used to buy a breakfast pack and laugh because, you know, we, we lived all week on like, a fryer every night, you know, and that was the only meal we ate all day and the rest <laughs> of our money went to drugs. It was ridiculous. I was going to say, I remember the days where you know, I was going, I've got like four slices of chopped pork in the fridge. 
I can buy another quarter of green. I'd get into my ma's and she'd pack me a wee like, bag for life, like suit and all that. And do you know what I mean? You were living like a, a heroin addict, basically, even though you know you weren't taking it. But that was a yep. life, you know. And I think the word addict that you're not an addict, didn't you? We spoke to many, many different addictions, and one of the the huge ones that's coming out right now is, and and I'm like gambling. And yep. you talking to people that have got jobs that are earning 30, 40, 50 grand a year and they're spending that much on putting football coupons on every day, horsey, then it just escalates. Yep. Just but it, you end up like an addict and I think that, that that is what sort of defines it. And when people think about addiction, people think about drug addicts, like yep. you're saying. It's it's always been heroin. And, yep. But well, now you see people that are spending so much money at the weekend on coke Aye. and then try to go back and live a normal life Monday to Friday they can't actually function. What is generating that high in your body, whether it be shopping or whether it be, you know, gambling, whether it be weed, whether it be coke, whatever it is, if your body is dependent on that thing to feel good for you, to feel good about yourself, then you are an addict, whether mm-hmm. there's, you know, that sort of physical withdrawal or no. And I think as well, when you talk about being such a young guy, in the company of other young sort of growing men, like those are your formative years, like picking up those habits and no actually dealing with them in the manner that you have subsequently is like a really dangerous thing. And I think it's something that we see, I, they talk about, you know, fucking we've been a gateway drug, right? I don't believe that. But at the same time, there is people that that has been the case for, mm. you know what I mean? Where mm. it has led to harder things. Trauma, trauma's a gateway drug, isn't it? Like, yes. fuck, man, yes. if people if people are having to disconnect for life to escape trauma, whether it be through cannabis, whether it be through Aye. whatever, then they're, they're ultimately going to end up like moving on to harder things. But For me, right, like... I've got quite an anti-drug stance, by the way, and that's that's not out of prejudice, and it's certainly not out of judgment that people use drugs. It's purely because I was one of the people that were playing Russian roulette, and I got the the, the chamber with the loaded bullet. Do you know what I mean? Like mm, I yeah. suffered, my mental health really suffered because of smoking yeah. cannabis. So if you ask me if I think cannabis is safe, I'd say no. Mm-hmm. You absolutely. Know? And then when, if you say, do you think it's you legalised, I would say well. no. And, you know, and, and absolutely. But that's not to say that there isn't any different schools of thought. Because look at, like, when we talk about safe consumption rooms, right? And yep. David Nutt was the um, academic, he was one of the leading chemists, it was one of the, the drug advisors, you know, and he came out and said that, you know, ecstasy and cannabis are more safe than alcohol. And he lost his job for it um, back in the day, you know, and that was, that was a real moment. When they said, you know, this is not the the, um, the advocate of the war on drugs that we need leading our policy. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what he was saying that is, is that alcohol is much more dangerous as a substance. Mm-hmm. You know, draconian drugs laws aside. That's so that, that right. You know what I mean? It's, the hypocrisy that exists within that war on drugs is fucking. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's about it, uh, for me. It's a war on people and different classes of people. Yes. Like if you want to go and enjoy a whiskey, or I mean, we we spoke to MPs where they talk about how they they go for a drink after Parliament, right? So they're not going to... Uh, exactly, Sometimes. I pissed out their... I mean, some of them, when you see the videos of some of the politicians Aye. in Westminster... Some of them have been like, a bit, either worse or well. Or even, even worse, I think, and even worse hypocrisy is prescription drugs. Yeah. Well, they, they're, all, they're all in whatever, they're, they're prescription Aye. drug of choice, but when it comes to the, the, the working-class drugs of, like, what has been since, what, the 80s, which has been sort of cannabis... And party drugs. And, and, and party drugs, ecstasy, cocaine. Yeah. Um, they go absolute balls out. But I think that everything everything can be addictive. Like, I was huh. 100% addicted to food at one point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just me putting... I was just escaping that feeling of, like, emptiness inside through consuming food. and But, but for me, like, personally... And I would never ever 
being an advocate for cannabis and all, I just say that I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate for my own cannabis use because yes. I know that I've got it under uh, it's control. Your personal if somebody choice. said to me, like, do you think I should smoke? It's like, well, why do you want to? And like, that's a, that's such a deep uh, question. And I completely understand why there's people that exist out there that are like, this has damaged the mental health. I mean, you see it in people that, young people, or you hear about people that are like, my, my son was normal, started smoking hash or started smoking cannabis and yeah. then turned into yes. something that ah, is unrecognisable. That absolutely happens. It does. That happens. But that, yeah. again, like you're saying, that happens with alcohol and stuff. But Drink, I drink's a big one, especially at the young age. For, like, I, I'm teetotal, right? And I, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic, right? But that, that doesn't mean I was, not No, yeah. I mean, because I don't say I was. You know, what, what, what is an alcoholic? Is that somebody that sits in, in under the bridge? And, or is it somebody who any time they drink gets in some state? You know, because I, I was that guy. I think it's somebody you know that I mean? loves full of drink. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And as know, a youngster, you do, don't you? you? You could be a, like, um, you know, a weekend drinker and still be a, a problematic drinker. And I think mm -hmm. in this country, we don't understand. You know, I've got Italian family. And when we were out with them, the young ones, none of them got pushed. None Aye. of them are rolling about the ground. None of them are fighting. You know, it's a cultural. They almost treat drink as food, and it's secondary to company and social. Mm -hmm. You know, like we we get to drink and we see our pals as a, a byproduct of that. They go out to see their pals and they drink as a byproduct. Aye, of that. And it's yeah. that cultural shift. Mm -hmm. You know, Aye, the difference between a couple of glasses of wine at Aye. a family dinner and you and your mates, as you say, up the local parkway. Let's go with the tonic that because is. that's the one that always gets called out in these that, sort of young me, team I, scenarios. I was a massive wine drinker, you know, and and I've been asked a few times recently, would you ban Buckfast? You know, was it was it that fault? And I was attacked with Buckfast bottles. You know, I've got scars on my body for Buckfast bottles, but mm -hmm. I, I don't blame Buckfast because if it wasn't Buckfast, it would be vodka. You know, and it, you know, Aye, it's rock, vodka's rocket fuel compared to yeah, you know, it's forty percent and fifteen. It's just Buckfast. It's a cultural emblem. Yeah, yeah, you know, vodka and, Red Bull surely has got to be as. Damaging not worse, and you know the mean? caffeine Absolutely. rate of like um, Buckfast, but I, I find that a strange sort of argument when people talk about these things and are like, should we ban? What? If we get any history of looking back and going, when we've banned something, it's led to a positive impact, and that no, I mean, no, like, no. look at going back to the war on drugs. That's been devastating, absolutely fucking devastating mm. to communities and yeah. the the damage that that's done to people, like turning people into criminals, ending up in the prison system because what the they go and they buy 20 quid worth of whatever drug it is and go and take it in a, in a I know, flat. They, 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 you know, the, the narrative underneath that, right, if you, we look at America right now, cannabis is, they've realised that it's a commodity, you know, it's really valuable. And they can they control can, it They now. can control it, they can tax it, they can sell it for profit, you know, and, and take personal choice or morality or, or any of those debates outside, you know, the Americans have realised that they can sell this shit, they can make a lot of money, you know, and it can, you know, the kids love it basically and it's it's not going to be Holland where everybody's dead sensible, you know, people are going mad for this stuff mm -hmm. and now you've got envoys MPs going out to, you know, get involved, Tory party MPs going out to, you yeah. know, explore cannabis, yep. you know. Somebody told the truth on Channel 4 News about a year ago and th this is one of the very few times that you see in mainstream media where somebody just goes balls out and tells the truth but they had an American guy like satelliting in and they were asking him about the cannabis industry and yeah. they were saying what's the likelihood that it will get legalised in the UK and he was like without a shadow of a doubt it will like, how can you say that for America? Anyway, because the banks are now involved and the hedge funds are now involved, Correct. and soon Tesco are going to start lobbying your government yep. to make it legal because they can see the billions that they're making in profit across the globe. And yeah. that is the reality. The more, the more really. interesting things like what, what's the actual you know hidden narrative that they'll say? What's the, the reason they'll give for it? You know, it's, they're not going to come out and say we want to make profit off Aye. you know 
We've Are killed we now dogs? because we want more money. No, I'm not going to say that. You know, no. we don't invade. You know, the Middle East for for oil. <laughs> it's like, for bad. Yeah. Do you know we, what I mean? It's for we don't like Muslims or... and we want that oil. Uh, no, there's, there's something else in the eye. So I'm interested. That that's the, the more interesting one for me is the reason. You know, the mm-hmm. reason they give. You know, because do you think that we should regulate? No, I mean, take take the tax. Like, let's just forget about the tax dollars and the tax cash that we can get for it. But do you think that we should? Regulate and distribute safely any drug, so like cocaine or ecstasy. Like MDMA is starting to get. There've been massive amounts of mere grown-up conversations and a wee bit mere education run about the time yeah. where I was sitting around the back of the local post office smoking fucking shitty salt bar and doing like <laughs> fuck it's like you know smoking cans and like yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever else. Then maybe it would have allowed me to make a more sensible choice sooner. You know what I mean? Maybe they've allowed other people to make the same with drink as well. You know what I mean? It comes down to a moral argument, right? Because, see, if you put the <clears> bare <throat> facts on the table, right? If, you're, if your son or daughter is going to go and use illegal ecstasy tablets at a rave, would you rather they were safe or do you rather they were dangerous? Now, mm. no, no parent in this whole land would say, no, I'd rather they were dangerous. Right, however, if you ask it, if you reframe that question and say, do you think it's moral that people take excessive tablets? They would say, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But it's a different debate, do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I think that's where other countries in, in are more progressive than us, you know, and we need to really look at the, the result of our draconian attitudes and say, like, people are dying because of substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And, yet, you know, Darren McGarvey talks beautifully about how these are a forgotten population and, you know, they're not part of the electorate and they're not yep. part, you know, they're a forgotten, you know, they don't have, they're a voiceless demograph. Aye. So... You know, who cares what they think? Or, you know, who cares about their fate? Ah, they're yeah. not voting for us, so exactly. fuck them. Exactly. And I think no, there has been elements of that in recent uh, years. I think that, absolutely. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I, I think, like, regardless of our own moral views, I think we need to look at the outcomes. The, the current drugs policy, which is obviously, you know, Scotland is one of the most dangerous places to be a drug addict in the whole world. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. almost as many people died in Scotland per 6 million mm-hmm. as died on our roads for 65 million people. That's crazy. You know, when you look at these, you know, more, more drug addicts died in Scotland in 2018, one year alone, than were killed in combat, you know, was killed in Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, and... So it's more dangerous to be a drug addict, a drug addict than in being Scotland than it is to be an American soldier in Afghanistan. For how many, you know, like that's that kind of thing, crazy. Like, I know, it's just like, it's mad, mm. you know. And this is not a new thing because it's I know not. your your book talks for a kind of naughty's perspective onwards, you know, sort of millennium onwards. Yeah. But like we're probably ten, your experience is maybe ten, ten years. years back on that. Yeah. Growing up in like Carntine, Ridry, Hag yeah. Hill, these places and stuff like that. And like what I've seen and heard the your experience yes. and the build up to this is no dramatically different doesn't it feel that no. although this is a long term issue there's really been much change on it I don't think this, there's been much seismic shift you know I, I think recent, like legal highs right was the big one you know and that, that changed the, the, you know, the, the whole theatre of taking drugs in Scotland and probably all over um, because when I was smoking cannabis at the end it was talking about sprayed green you know and you were getting bad quality green and it was hard to get good stuff so the price driven up right so mm-hmm. we were in drugs poverty because of that you know but then legal highs came out and then your your real drugs, you know, if you want to call them real drugs, Aye. illegal drugs, but they remarketed, you know. So then now kids talk about pure and they talk about Mandy, whereas we talk about two pounds wedges and we talked about <laughs> three for Hannah, like shite council, Charlie, and all yeah. So like, and that, that, I was doing drugs ed in, in a school and I was doing a talk to the wee guys and the first thing I said is, we are, you guys are the experts, you guys are out on Friday night, you're, you're buying drugs, you know, some of you are selling drugs. You know, I've not taken drugs for eight years, so yep. you guys are the experts. And everything that I can tell you is a date. All I can give you is a, you know, a, 
um, a reflection of what it was then, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a where cautionary I've been. Tale as it's well. a cautionary tale, you know what I mean? But it's it's all you know, it's always at a date. And I went on to tell them, you know, when I was your age, they were telling us about heroin addiction and telling us about AIDS crisis because that was ten years before. Yeah. And it takes to, you know, the videos were about eight years old, ten years old. You know, mm-hmm. it was the nineties, and it was other ah, older yeah. ones who were heroin addicts. You know, so it's it's you know how do you fix that? I don't know because no. you, you can't. It takes time to put the infrastructure in to get education. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, to get I solid information. We get that's the that's the main thing, and it's information like they can get it. You can get it straight for consumption to telling people what's going on now within days. Yeah. Whereas when if you go back to the like what ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight, was a video in school you watched. We no. didn't even get that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember getting that. No. no. I, I mean, my, my I cautionary tale very much in like just say no territory all the time. Aye, aye, I mean, my, co- my the cautionary tale. Hi, the cautionary <laughs> tale that came for me was watching the generation that came before me in quarantine literally getting die. killed off and dying of AIDS you know mm-hmm. what I mean and shit like that I think I think I was fortunate enough to actually see some peers good in that road and you know mates that yeah. who I, I know a guy and I'll no name him where I lived in Ridry we were almost a kind of culmination of several different areas and I know where you were up in Cantine it was all about Cantine and the power of Hag Hill whereas in Ridry we were there was Tokros there was Shuttleston there was Cantine there was yeah. Hag Hill there was Black Hill there was Rikese there was Cran Hill and we were just in the middle of it you know what I mean like, and you've you seen a lot of shit and like I remember one guy that I was in the year above me at school and he, he was a bit of a dick he was a bit of mouthy but he was like harmless one of the guys that he just was like alright mate you know what I mean yeah and um, I, I remember going out with my mates one day, kicking a ball out in the back garden, out in the back street or whatever. And somebody was like, oh, this guy got lifted. And what the fuck's he done this time? Oh, he put a machete in somebody's head in the middle of fucking Rikese Road. And I was like, whoa. Like, mm. that was an escalation for somebody who, mm. days before, I'd been kicking a ball about with or had been bamming up in school or whatever it was. And I, I knew that he smoked and I, I knew that he, you know, he took a drink, we all did. But, like, that next step to, like, the actual violence was something that was really alien to me and was was one of the sort of things that put me off going sort yeah. of further down that road. But there's a lot of folk that, you know what I mean, they don't get that warning shot, you know what I mean? Like, like just what Paul said when we come in, right? Like, trauma's a drug, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And if you, if you want to actually, you know, examine the physiological effects of trauma on your brain, it changes your chemical balance in your brain, you know, you, you become more violent, you become more aggressive, you become more prone to stress and mental health. So, yep. uh, you know, was that guy a victim before he was, you know, in a, a guilty party, you know, and ah, I think that's that. often the case. Aye, absolutely. You know I, mean? I mean, I know the guy that he's talking about just Aye. through the description and my lasting memory of this guy was that he was a victim in school. Yeah. And then I can remember that moment as well. So where he was trying to prove himself or something? Yeah. It might well have been, but I can remember that moment when somebody's saying he's been, he's in Berlin and going like, what him? And, and then telling you what had happened. Yeah. And no seeing the guy for maybe like six or seven years and just thinking, what the fuck has happened to this guy? How can you go from being that guy that I knew in primary school to being somebody that's getting done for attempted murder and then like actual you can be a victim before you're born do you know what I mean like you know when all men are born equal I think in deprived communities we know that's absolutely not true you know yeah we see the split in school you know we see kids that come through hell you know and and quite often people conflate gangs with poverty and it's not always the case by the way Um, Mm. because oftentimes the worst of the worst 
you know, the ones that were really bad, you know, they didn't actually run about the gangs because they couldn't afford Lacoste trackies and they couldn't afford Air Maxes. Aye. You know, they were the, the, the forgotten kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was the young lasses that were going with a guy who was 35, you know, called Davey for fucking, you know what I mean, here or there. But you know what I mean? Shouldn't have laughed there, sorry. No, no, no. It just reminds me exactly. I know that, you know what I mean? Four or five people uh, just... And then, and then she was exactly. pregnant, you know, at 16 with, with Davey's Wayne and she left school, you know, and you never Aye. seen her again. Now she's got, a, you know, five lanes. Yep. And Davey's fucking in the jail. That's you know, right. But that's, you know, that's, they weren't gang members. No. You know, we had a full spectrum. And I, I've said this very phrase that gangs weren't means tested. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we had people who, you know, parents didn't work. We had people's parents that were professionals. Mm-hmm. One of my, one of my mates, mum and dad, one was a head teacher, one was a police officer. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, in the same cells as I was. Yeah. You know, he was, you know. Was there any running sort of themes amongst the people? Because I had a mate as well who, his <clears> dad, I mean, this is, Working back to the time when you, if your dad was a taxi driver, you were amongst the privileged few. Like you <laughs> own, they owned the house. Do you know Aye. what I mean? Like literally, like if you were to say to somebody that's maybe like a teenager nowadays that taxi driver used to be a really fucking good job. Yeah, they'd be like you kidding on. Like you can you can barely make ends meet being a taxi driver nowadays. Yeah. But this guy's dad was a taxi driver. He'd a stepmom. He'd a sister. Stable. Stayed in Rob Royston, which is a nice area yeah. in the East End within the East End. And this guy was one of like one of the worst. Yeah. At going out and fighting and like carrying a knife and stuff, and like it hasn't he been until very recently speaking to people like James Doherty and um, Loki that you get this sort of thought of like what happened to him? There yeah. must have been something that happened to this guy. Mate, young. You know, my stories, he'd everything, he'd my everything stories like that. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't come for the scheme. I stayed in a boat house. Do you know what I mean? My mom, my mom, dad were in the military. Right, you know, my dad died, unfortunately, when I was a wee boy, natural causes, he died of yeah. cancer, right, so then there's my adverse childhood, there's my ACE, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean, adverse childhood experience, and that's me, you know, I was fine, had a, a perfect childhood, no drama, obviously, the, probably the signs were there, because I used to get in trouble in school and all that, you're wired a wee bit differently, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you're a wee bit more prone to violence, fighting, and then when you're a teenager and you go into the mix, you know, and it was going into your academy for me, you go off your nut. Aye, and then you, you dye your hair and you wear earrings and you start wearing a Burgos jacket and then that's you there's no stop me mm-hmm. you know it's an ascension Absolutely. and I always talk at that you know it's like a, you know, you're a rocket on the way up Aye, you know, I would no, say I'm not a traditional Glasgow rocket. No, probably aspirational. Been maybe, but I think there is some folk that that, that is. By the way, you know what I mean. Especially people, and I don't know if I always felt it, but again, we were about who's two point four children, like yep. Yep, traditional yep. family. I was, I would say, I was probably the cunt standing at the back watching a lot of shit going on rather than actually getting involved in too much. Like I liked to drink. Yeah, I was not. I would defend myself of course, of course. but I don't I wouldn't say I was the instigator a lot and I was one of the ones very much on the periphery but as I say as these major incidents came that escalation that you know rocket up yeah. dropped off yeah. I, I, thankfully yeah. a, a, a relatively early stage for me but you know when you look at people why they dropped off it's often a partner Right, it's often children, it's often a career or employment or Part-time sport, job. it's actually just something it's fucking the wholesome stuff in life, do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, this isn't some kind of like, you know, secret formula that all our parents just got that we didn't get, you know what I mean? They just they just met somebody, fell in love, had wins, you know, not always in that Aye. order, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And then, you know, settled in, they just do their messages every week, they go on holidays, they save up for stuff, they get motors, you know, that's life, yep. folks. Mm-hmm. You know Aye, what I mean? Absolutely. And the ones that fall through the cracks, they don't realise that. They, I think it's that, that lack of something meaningful to sort of fill your time with is definitely something that comes up a lot when people critique why these things happen or why so. people take to it and stuff like that. Like, as you know, and like when we look at people and their lives fall apart, you know what I mean? Like, trauma is like a snowball. 
you know and when you start all that stuff there is no trauma you know i don't mm-hmm. even fucking what's mental health people used to say like oh uh, smoking green makes you paranoid you know what i mean well you know what they actually are talking about is like general anxiety you know yeah. and, and i think that starts quite soon Absolutely. you know like mm-hmm. and people realize that you know but i, 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 don't know, I, I think you're the worst i think worst. it helps when you're in a scenario where as James said when he was on, like, you're constantly, like, one eye over your shoulder. Of course. Even in the company or what would have been your mates or your yeah. gang, like, you know, there was as much likelihood on a Friday night with a few swallies in you that one of your mates took a swing at you as there yeah. was somebody for the next area hour. And then that feeds into, like, toxic masculinity and all that, because, like, people say in the West Coast, like, we like bamming each other up. Like, we had American mates and they said, oh, you and your mate and you need to slag each other. And I said, I know, but that's, like, what we do. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. that affection. But see, I actually know everybody's built that way. You know, and actually see, even though they put up that front, they go home and think, fuck, I'm getting bullied off all my best pals. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm getting hunted off all these other gangs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, my head's, that, my that, head's that, fucked with drugs and my, my mom and dad hate each other. So. That's exactly... Oh, all my mom and dad hate me. I wouldn't quite say they hate But that's kind of like where I, I was. I can remember being in that sort of like space of... Like, I, I didn't like that banter. I didn't like... like I was... I was bigger when I was younger yeah. and the, my name so my yeah. name is Pie Man yeah. but that's what people used to just call me yeah. it wasn't like a slagging it no. was literally my nickname and then you'd another dude that was this and it was that and it, beca- it like you're saying it's almost like a term of endearment but to me I hated it I fucking yeah. hated it man and it made me really fucking angry and then that would make me almost like Matt saying you'd want to fight with your pals because yeah. you've just got this sort of like tiny wee resentment for them just through that sort of like your, your best pals can be your fucking worst enemies they make your life fucking miserable because uh-huh. they know how to get at you that's it you know what I mean keep and like, you doing you know and we laugh it off because that's part of the culture you know but our culture obviously produces quite damaged young guys you mm-hmm. know what I mean and like violent young men aye and not on a spent, small scale either nah like and, and I've obviously I've spent time down south and I've, you know I know people down south and I think we are naturally slightly tougher you know mm-hmm. and I think we are we're like the way we're built and I like more ruthless and more vicious do you know what I mean and like I don't know why that is you know but I think it's just part of our like Scottish culture and we've almost wear it like a fucking brooch do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I you know absolutely you know, I think I, the no mean city Glasgow absolutely. there's razor gangs in the 70s and you know as we were growing up like these were the you know probably like the, the first here. the first adult books we read, you know what I mean? Although we'd have been at schools or maybe no being at schools as we were supposed to be. Yeah. Like, I know even in gangs, a mate would be like, oh, I read the T.C. Campbell book or I read, you know, one of these other gangster books. I read something about the craze. My dad gave me that, his book about the, that type of shit. And yeah. again, the examples that are being there are reinforcing this toxicity, nice. this violence. Uh, we'll not get away from it because, I mean... The number one podcast in Scotland right now has got predominantly gangsters on it. James and getting, getting back to this sort of scheme idea. Now he's doing a great job and yeah. he, the guy grew up in Postal. Yeah. It's all he knows, do you know what I mean? And I he's know. made a, an absolute success out of it and fair play to him for that. But it it just shows you that we're not moving any further and away from the fascination from with these stories and these scenarios is still there. And again, I think that's probably reflected in, you know, what's been going on with you the last couple of weeks because as we joked at the start <laughs> um, this is a very sort of Glasgow centric kind yeah. of story it's obviously appealing on a very very big scale for a lot of people fake Glasgow like the my social media has been almost constantly spammed up with the book for like the last fortnight <laughs> which I've been really pleased to see and then it's not even just the people who came for the schemes because I think just a couple of days ago, we had your book in the horns of the First Minister. So, I mean, yeah. there's a spectrum of people that 
you know, you've had interest for The Guardian. That's, you know, these are sort of quite highbrow publications that are in talking about, you know, lowbrow scenarios as they would probably see it. I don't no, know. 100%. You know what I mean? So is it, it is something that appeals to everybody. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what that, why that is myself, but again, you do see it in things like James and English and that. So like the hype, like it's, what, what do you do? I mean, you're coming for, you know, a, you know, a decent background, like yep. you're, First time author, and then all of a sudden, you know, Nicola Sturgeon's bagging up the book amongst what feels like a million other people. Like, yeah. how do you even, how do you deal with that, man? See, to be honest, right, like, um, my publicist is a really, really, I won't name drop her, right, but she's really, really well known. She represents some big people, right, and um, that you would have heard of. And she said, I'm concerned about this media bubble for Graham. You know, this is going to be really intense for him. He's a young guy, he's only 28. He's had no experience of this. I need to get him some media training. Right, so what that entails is basically two guys that are broadcast journalists um, and they fucking grill you, mate, for about an hour and a half, you know, and they ask you every difficult question they can think of. Wow. You know, and, and it's basically a setup like this. You know, it's some microphones, you know, it's, it's film and stuff like that. And it's about your posture and your stance and how you are. Um, you know, and then and then they fucking harm on you, mate. You know, and they go, you know, you're, you know, you're a criminal. You're involved in gangs and drugs and you fucking wrote this book to make money. You know, mm. how do you respond to that? You know, and that kind of stuff, right? So they're going deliberately over the score. Absolutely. And right. the whole part and, you know, and, and they ratchet it up, man, as it goes on. You know, it starts being a wee bit sharp and then it basically goes on to a personal attack on me. Right. Do you know what I mean? But what they taught me, right? And it, it, this is what politicians do, right? Is that, see if I ask you how much a pint of milk is, just tell me how much a loaf of bread is, right? And he said, see the loaf of bread, right? That's your key message. And he said, what is it you hope to achieve by this book? And I said, well, I want to stop young guys dying violently, I want to stop young guys getting addicted to drugs and ruining their mental health and ruining their chances. Mm -hmm. He said, right, that's, that's why you did this, right? He said, you know, publishing's a business, it's not a charity, you're going to, you know, somebody needs to make money for you to have Absolutely. this vehicle. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, you know, I'm not here to go in at the ins and outs of capitalism, you know what I mean? Somebody needs to earn for that to be out there. You know, and I'll earn a couple of pounds, but it's not much, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that's a, that, that is a very cynical sort of way of looking at it into it is that <clears throat> you've lived these experiences and now you've wrote this book to make money off it and it's like I know like and see to be honest it's, 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 fuck, that, it's really, fucking far-fetched do you know what I mean mm -hmm. like this book took me from I was 21 years old right to I'm 29 coming up you know it took a good part of eight years for the large part of those eight years I was working seven days a week right mm -hmm. I was working six days in a garage selling cars which is fucking stressful yeah and then I was coming home I wasn't seeing many people I was battering this book you know, I was sacrificing my relationships with folk, no social life. Like, I wasn't sitting thinking, I'm going to make fucking, you know, a pound fifty a book. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be fucking rolling. Uh, that yeah. was never my, you know, <clears throat> obviously I understand, yes, you can make money. Mm -hmm. Of course. But if I make a living wage, I'll be doing well, as most writers would tell you. You know, there's a uh, reason yeah. why writers keep writing books. It's not because yeah. they don't like write one and then fucking go into the sunset. Yeah. Uh, That's absolutely. unrealistic. You know, it's not a money spinner. Mm -hmm. But inside my head I was like the only redemption for me right and the only good thing that comes out of all wasted years of doing all that shit is that if I can do this thing you know I've set out to, and it's an impossible dream by the way and I know that see if a young team didn't go big it wouldn't go Aye. you know because you can have a great Scottish book the last five minutes and just disappears you know mm -hmm. that I, I knew this had to go London you know because yep. people like do blogs do the small stuff I'm like that's not for me you know this needs to go in at the top but it doesn't go mm -hmm. and that's and that, and that takes a long time you mm -hmm. know it took 300 rejections Wow. 300 people saying no, no, no. And, and by the way, maybe 20 of them said there's potential here or, you know, do this, do that, do that. But, you know, nobody bit until, the, you know, 2018. Mm -hmm. And I started this in 2013. That's a long graft, man. It was, mate. You know, so and, was long. How do you maintain 
revision <clears> for that amount of time because the the reasons why you've done it are admirable and I mean you you it seems like just talking to you now and I'm thinking about it you it, I think you're just about to hit on that sort of special sort of brewer things that you see some musicians hit on where what they're talking about what they've been talking about for the last ten years comes to the forefront just as their best material Aye. just sort of like hits and I so think that cool. that's what's happening to you that you're, just, you're, it's, you're it's on like that sort of it's pure fate it's timely do you know yeah. what I mean we've got a drug death crisis in Scotland we've yeah. got a, a knife violence crisis yeah. in London yeah. I, I, just so happened that a girl I knew was involved with violence reduction you know she made the introductions now I'm in with the superstars you know with Karen McCluskey with John Carnock and the people who started violence reduction yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know as a national narrative absolutely you know and it is a perfect storm mm-hmm. you know you know you use that cliche exactly. but I think it's as, as well as, as as we say there is youngsters out there who they pick up you know the books that they feel reflect their experience or where they've came from yeah. so there's an audience there that can benefit from your experience and your insight and your wisdom says, but then that's going to be the case in terms of violence reduction, in yes. terms of recovery, in terms of ACEs and these other things that we've spoke about. And like, you know, I'm, well, I'm very looking forward to getting a hands on a copy myself and actually kind of relating to that as well. Because I think these are the conversations that, as they're now starting to enter the public domain, now need to be reinforced with mm-hmm. examples as to yes. why talking about them in the right terms is actually a really important thing to do. You know, because people have asked me, like, what good do you think this is going to be? And, and I actually seen a meme years ago and it said, you want to save the world? Go and fucking vol- volunteer at a soup kitchen stop fucking writing. You know, and I, and I laughed and I thought, fuck, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm, you know, this is a lot of shit. Uh, but, uh-huh. And I remember, like, talking to a pal at the end and she said, so what happens at the end of the book? You know, and I said, well, they have a big fucking square goal. You know what I mean? The young team win, you know, and they beat the young toy. And she said something real important to me and I've never told anybody this. She said, see if they fight. It's all been for nothing, right? She's like, because all you've done is reinforce the culture. You've, you've, ma- you've no message, there's no moral. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, and we were talking about train spotting. She said, train spotting's so fucking famous because it doesn't take a moral stance. It just says this is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and all it's pure mad filth. And it says, if you don't like it, then get to fuck. Mm-hmm. But the young team does something different. You know what I mean? And it's trying to like, no lecture at all, man. Like seeing people say this, you know, it's no lecture. No. Fuck's sake. I'm just taking you to the worst places I've ever been, you know, when... You know, this people is the lived experience. It is, it's where people committed suicide, it's where people killed, where people were murdered. The worst shit, do you know what I mean? I had to dredge my soul for that shit. Mm-hmm. Like mental health, do you know what I mean? Again, when have you ever read about male mental health in a book? You know, for point blank range of it. And work, in that sort of one actually, area, the new. I mean, it's bad, mate, it's a fucking black spot. I mean, it's the, the numbers of young men feeling isolated and, you know, on their own to the point where they take their own lives. And, and that just small sort of part of this country. Yeah. It's fucking insane. That is. So, as, I mean, the numbers by comparison to head of population are terrifying. Like, see you, you guys in the like? city, even though, even though, yes, like the schemes are, you know what I mean? You're prisoners to your own schemes, but you're much more akin to jump on the train and go into the town. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like the, t- you, the town belongs to all you, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a neutral mixing ground. We'll see Airdrie and Coat Bridge and the wee towns. These people don't go fucking into Glasgow. They just live uh, and die in this wee pond. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like it's wee fish. You know what I mean? Like swimming in. as a result, I'd imagine. There's no mobility. I used to be terrified getting off the fucking thirteen on outside the time capsule <laughs> at the guys that were stoning at that. And you're talking about that. I came for the. I mean, statistically, the roughest part of Glasgow at that point in time. Yeah. And you would go even deeper into the sort of the east. And it, it would literally, you'd be like, holy fuck, like, this is ridiculous. It wouldn't even be like, 
So, like, the comparison that I'm, I'm trying to think up here is, is that if somebody walked into, if I walked into Rudry or Cranhill or whatever, people would be like, who are you, where are you, Faye? Yeah. Get met with sort of abrasiveness. You get off that bus, you just get chased. Right. And they would be waiting for you. Like, that because window, they like, knew you were there. Because people say to me often, like, what gang me a member, right? And I was like, what's well, that? That's on our story, do you know what I mean? Because I was, I was, I'm a, obviously, I was where I'm fair, right? Which is going Mavis and Airdrie. And I was young Mavis, you know what I mean? And then I got expelled from school. And then, you know, I went down to a new, completely new gang violence amphitheatre. And it was fucking Coatbridge High School. Didn't know a soul. I'd heard of people. Do you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. I didn't realise that these guys didn't speak to each other at all. Do you know what I mean? This is put like inner city Glasgow shit. Like they did not mix, they did not blend. Aye. And Airdrie was like the fucking all-stars. Do you know what I mean? All the white dogs hung about together. Mm-hmm. Aye, sometimes they would fight. Obviously they had their own gang violence, but actually in Aye. school it was all the, 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 the dirty dozen of rogues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Colt Bridge, it was like the top guy to the wee guy. You know what I mean? They were in one corner, the other ones were in... Everybody at the end corner of the playground. Exactly. All Aye. that shit, do you know what I mean? And they hated each other. Like, it was poisonous fucking hatred. Like, you can't speak to the fucking name if you're one of us, and if you speak to them, fuck off. Do you know what I mm. mean? That Aye. kind of shit. It was oh, mad, man. It was mad. Man. Like, it was, when you're already... To see when you're 14 and you're a wee dick, it was great fun. Do you know what Aye. I mean? I was like, fuck. Mm. And then I got in with the Lang, the Lang Lone ones, which is the, where the time capsule was. You know what I mean? And they, they treated me like brothers, man. So like, you chased him. <laughs> maybe well, you chased him with maybe, the time capsule. No. <laughs> you would have been a couple of years on me. Aye, I was going to say you would have been about three. I think, uh, uh, the time I get chased around the, the time capsule. Uh, but it, it, what's it? I mean, I think that there, there is a sort of different attitude to that. Like I, I'm sitting thinking, I'd have been petrified. I would have actually been petrified in that situation going through one school. I never experienced that. I never went to... I went to my no, primary school, mad. my secondary school, went to university and that was it. What was it like for you, like, going through that sort of, like, <laughs> high school where you've got... That sounds like my high school yeah. where all the gangs used to come together. So yeah. guys for Cranhill, guys for Greenfield, guy, they'd come together, they would hang about with each other. Yeah. Then the Friday night, they'd be they like, oh, fucking see you later on and a bit of banter. But Aye. then they would fight. They yeah. would actually fight. They'd come back on a Monday morning... There would maybe be a wee bit of friction on the Monday, but by the time we chose the old and everybody was like back, and then it would just be the same again. But like, what's it like in an, an environment where everybody's segregated and fucking hates each other, and you can't speak to this guy? And mate, I, honestly, right, see, my my best mate, right, was about to attack it, and honestly, he grabbed me, and he's like, "Here we man, you go down to that school, and I swear you will, you fucking burglars, and the first cunt that gives you any cheek, you fucking smash him." I swear to God, and I was like, "Am I going to fucking jail?" Like, <laughs> that's that's like the fucking short thing, right? That's not the advice you get going to jail. I know, it? but you know what I mean. And I was he like I was not part until I fucking spoke to my best mate, and I'm like, "Fuck's sake, man, that's going to be fucking about intense." Aye, because they're you're, you're going to represent us basically. Like, you know, he's fucking good in there and start smashing cunts, and I'm like, "All right, you know what I mean? Fuck's sake." They want it in school, so I, like. Opportunely, right? I actually started two weeks before the Christmas holidays. So all the idols weren't there. It was just a few birds, and I ended up hanging about a sweet bird and kissing on that. So I was like, it's quite a genteel introduction. Aye. But I remember, and I'm like, we'll just go for a lunch at lunch. And they're like, oh, you can't go there. You fucking can't go there. And I'm like, how no? And they're like, oh, because this is their area and that's their area. And I was like, fuck's sake, we just used to go down the street and get whatever you wanted. I feel no but then, like, man. you know, how did I get that introduction, right? Well, I started the school and the head teacher, who by real inspirational and he's reflected in the book, you know what I mean? But he was like, you're going to be very popular down here. I could just tell. He's like, cause he's like, if you think Airdrie's bad, welcome to Coat Bridge. Right? And um, I, I had a kind of introduction to one of the Langone ones because I knew um, their cousin it was a female that ran about with us and she's like my cousin will look after you jump about with them but you know you can't they don't wear name badges you know what I mean I can't <laughs> just like you, you, you uh, thank you for the Langone toy you know what Aye. I mean and it's like how the fuck am I going to meet these cunts 
Um, but basically, this, <laughs> my head teacher came in, he's like, right, somebody want to show Graham his next class. And one of the side ones, right, this big guy, man, he's a unit, right? He put his hand up, he's like, I'll fucking show him. And he went, yes, no problem, Patrick, you can show him. And I was like, fuck's sake, man. And uh, like, this guy's walking through the corridor, right? And this other boy jumps up to him and the two of them start fighting just in the corridor, right? And I'm wow. just standing like a lemon, man. I didn't know what to do. I'm just like, fuck's sake. And then they, they split, right? And he walks away and he's trying to sort his cell out and he's fucking raging. And I was like, who the fuck was that? And he went, hey, that's that wee fucking dick of Langel Toy. And I was like, right, neighbor. So lunchtime, I just bounced up to the other boy and I was like, mate, I'm fucking <laughs> spaghetti filled through. What's happening? Sorry, I, I didn't get your honours. I know, that's it. So that, that was my introduction, you know that's, what I mean? It's a just, funny one. Just, I mean, talking for the last sort of five minutes about that, right? And just think about the, the fucking mental pressure and anguish that that type of situation puts a 14 year old boy under oh, somebody that's going through fucking all sorts of other shit with hormones aye. and stuff that nowadays is all sort of like you need to you need to make sure that they're all right and blah blah, blah. and you're having to go in and navigate four different gangs on a playground who who's my pre-arranged person that's supposed aye, to be showing me about, but that that is it man like and Mate, that, nuts. that is the type of shit that you day really grown up in a scheme as, as, as Matt was saying earlier on, like constantly get that one eye, just that hyper awareness. And then when you move mm. in, like, so like when you started uni, for instance, yeah. <clears throat> like, what, I mean, I, when I started university, I, I felt an element of sort of imposter syndrome. I didn't feel like, I turned up my first day of uni yeah. with a Brazil tap, a tracksuit tap, and a skip pat on, yeah. and looked around, and Freshers Week and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I've went for oh. being. This is this is all my pals. This is everything that I know is walking about like this and football taps and trackies and air max and the hat. And then you walk in and people are looking at you and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm an outcast here. Like, no, I'm, straight I'm actually, off the bat. Straight off the bat, I'm an outcast and I need to really change how I speak, how I think. Like, they sort of, I would tell people stories at uni, they'd be like, ah, oh, fuck off. Like, there is no way that happened. You'd be like, well, you're calling me a fucking liar then, mate, because I'm telling ah, you fucking Honestly, right, I, I remember fucking, like, driving up to uni, right? I had a wee course, right? And I was driving up with all my shit, because I was staying holes up Stirling, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to take my earrings out. So I took my hoop earrings out, and I was like, looking at my clothes and all that, and I'm like, I don't know what country you wear, man. I don't, I don't know what to wear, right? So I'm like, just wearing a t-shirt and jeans, right? And I was sitting in my wee hall, right? And it was the guys that built prisons in Denmark that built these halls, right? So I was like, fuck, I feel like this, this is like day one of sentence, you know what I mean? Here, man, like, man, right? So I was like, right, I need to go and introduce myself, right? And I was quite nervous, and I was on the phone with my pal, and she's like, just go and speak to him, you'll be all right, and all that. And I was like, right, neighbor, I'm going again. I'm going in, know what I mean? And uh, I, I walk into the kitchen and they're, they're all like fucking drinking Bacardi breezers and you know what I mean? They look a bit softer in the edges, you know what I mean? These guys and a few lasses and I was like, hey, how, how you doing? And all that, like subconsciously modifying my accent, sanitizing it, like, nice to meet you, I'm Graham, instead of like yolk troops, you know what I mean? So, and then, so I go around them all and I'm like, nice to meet you, I'm Graham. And there was one guy sitting right and he was fucking blazing, man. I was like, oh, he's started early, you know what I mean? I was like, all right, pal. And he's like, what's happening, mate? I'm fucking dog, you know what I mean? Happening. And I was like, all right, mate. I'm like, man, let's go and get a bottle of wine, man. So we walked in, got a bottle of tonic, and he's like, man, I'm for your fucking Knightswood, you know what I mean? And then that was that. Like, the two of us were best mates, we're still mates. I was out there last night, you know what I mean? <laughs> just, I think it's buzz that we're made to feel that way, that we need to, like, pure almost like code switch when we're in different environments that we'll know. But again, as young guys going out into these environments, like, how the fuck does you know, essentially gang life in a satellite town around Glasgow meaningfully prepare you to go. I mean, 
did you Disney, did you I mean? consciously choose Sterling as a means to separate yourself mate, from that Sterling, world, or did it just happen that way? Sterling was only you know it would even give me a conditional mate. Oh so right, I was Sterling or fucking bust. You know what I mean? I'd actually went to like Stoke College and nautical, like on a day like sociology, HND or something. That was my backup because Sterling didn't work. Um, but you know what? I, I remember like talking to lasses in my class and I always felt awkward in uni man because I was like I didn't know what to wear and like all these like kids were fashionable do you know what I mean and I was like talking to nice lasses and you tell they like you because you're you know a hard right looking guy but you just you just didn't click with him at all mate Mm because you were just like feeling too awkward do you know what I mean like you didn't feel like you belong plus I was still using mega drugs do you know what I mean so like I I was like depressed when I was in first year and I was taking mega blues and I was sitting up all night and like it was a scrape through and I was like on a different fucking planet do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it was like it was a miracle I even hung on do you know what I mean and mm-hmm. that, that was neat. They were drinking their first Picardy Breezers, do you know what I mean? And like, trying to well, put your first try work at a Pajoni on the Wednesday. These are the stories that I would get. The, the, the <laughs> shit flung back when they would be like, What age did you have your first faggot? And you'd be like, Eight. I know, you know, exactly. When did you first have a joint? Ten. Like, oh, I took an Eki when I was 11, and people were like, Fuck off. Like, there is no way that that's true, but you're just sitting there, just going, Like, but like me. you're saying, you, you feel that sort of awkwardness, and then. You like I think sanitizing yourself is probably the perfect way of describing it. Where you start to, I I I did a bit where I started sort of speaking to girls again, like women, when you would boot and you would be like, "Well, where are you from? I'm, I'm for East End," and you would be like, "I'm not going to say where I'm from. I'm not going to tell them what school I went to." <laughs> I'm for High Country. No, I remember one Hazel Grove when they tried to like, rena- rename the schemes back in like the early two thousands, and the case get called Hazel Grove. I'm for Hazel Grove, like. Aye, okay, mate, no one lassie must have thought I was alright looking right because she came up to me and the way she introduced herself in the union when she went oh I, I'm whatever her name was she's like my granddaddy's the Lord Provost of Edinburgh and I was like me and you are not going to get on man. I could just tell this it's not, it's not going anywhere sorry man some serious <laughs> Romeo and Juliet shit happening there you know what I mean what? it's like fucking hell I don't know I just felt awkward all the time I just didn't really feel like I belonged my studying was like non-existent you know what I mean I was heavy skating through mm-hmm. you know people are like you got a, you got a clubs I'm like fucking clubs you know what I mean like lucky I even got a class so like uni wasn't, <laughs> wasn't necessarily like a, a, a break for that not previous really, lifestyle really, it was, if anything it, was, it, was a worse, amplified I, it. it was because all I had was now a student loan right I still worked part time like I worked in shops and that like retail you know what I mean so I was I was getting a wage um, my mum was helping me out with my rent, right? So, and then I was getting a student loan, so I was fucking all of that money got absorbed in drugs. Mm. You know what I mean? And like I was seriously upside down because when they were they were on, on up the gas, me and my mate were fucking veterans of the streets. You know what I mean? We were both drug addicts, so that was like license to kill for us. Do you know what I mean? We went tonto. Aye. Do you know what I mean? Something that we've spoke about previously with Darren McGarvey is this inability for people that come for the schemes to deal with getting money like and i think student loans was the first time that i ever had over a thousand pound in a bank account like, double it you know what i mean double uh-huh. your first month and then uh-huh. it was fucking like my, my mate used to laugh right because in sterling you had 10 classes right and you could miss three of them mm-hmm. so as long as you went to 70 percent you would pass i just took an extra three weeks before i even started he's like you're a fucking fan he's like you just go on holiday for three weeks everybody else is out buying books and you go on holiday for three weeks and go upside down uh-huh. and I'm like, oh mate don't give me a grand then uh, do you know what I mean and I got a gaff and a grand mate is a dangerous thing for me do you know what I mean man I was fucking an animal Mm. how did you get through it just just struggled on mate like honestly I just I was like you know all the hopes and fucking dreams of my family were in you know with me mate you know what I mean so you were the first to go to uni aye man I I remember that 
Same. You know, like, the, the, the pressures know, of that are fucking crazy, man. You know, so but they thought this was going to be a light bulb moment, and this was all the suffering, right? It'd been worth it because you know Graham's gone to university now. He's he's a bright young man. He's going to have a great future and see how it's done. And then so it was a case that's of right behind. That's it. You yeah, know, he's what, choosing six life. Pints of slider done. Nah, you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? If anything, drugs intensified. I got depressed. You know, mental health worsened. Um, there was still violence to come. There was still lots of drugs. You know, I was involved with people who were selling heavy drugs, and you know, mm. it was it was bad, man. It was All bad right. years actually. It was it was a, some struggle. Was there writing going on at the time? Was that something I, I was, that went alongside? No, no. It? I, I was starting to toy about like I had started kind of like writing this kind of crimey novel. You know what I mean? And it wasn't. Oh, it was just an experimental novel, really. Do you know what I mean? But I had mm. like. And, and when people say what was the spark, I that was the spark. And I think that yeah, I ended up the creases in my process writing that. I'll never see the light of day. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just experimental. Yeah. Right. But actually, when it came to that first time of writing the young team, you know, I was like, do you know what? I'm fucking ready to do something. Yeah, something that was like my, my practice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and I seen it through, mate. Like I did it, but it was just, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And then, Aye. you know, after this, this 15 minutes of thinking about a film, you know, the, the young team, I was like, this is it, man. This is mm-hmm. my fucking book. But I, I actually remember thinking, I'm like, do you know, do you realise what you're fucking getting yourself in here for? This is going to be a some shaft. Aye, you know, mm-hmm. and I kind of paused and I was like, ah, fuck it. You know, I've got fuck all else to do. Aye. Stuck in this flat. I've got no pals, no drugs, no money, nothing. This is it. You know what I mean? It's good, man. Do you think writing the book Saved you? Yes. Without a doubt. Mm. Without a doubt. I know what I mean? It was it's like a journey of pure faith, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. and I think religious faith and all, do you know what I mean? Like I put all my energy and all my pain and all my, you know, hope into this book. Mm-hmm. And people some of my family used to start to say after about three, four, five years when nothing was happening, they're like I think you need to like, right thing, you need Neil? plan B. Ah, you know yeah. what I mean? They weren't like shitting on your dreams. They were just saying like this might no work. Of course. You know what I mean? Like you might need to go and get a fucking job. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's not working in retail. And you know, so I started selling cars, you know, to try and earn money and try ah, to get a yeah. career and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, working in graduate jobs. But I never lost the faith, mate. I, I I didn't even accept for a minute the young team wouldn't be published, and I think that, that's what you need. You need that's that right. some that didn't have I had the opposite where the I think because at a time when I tried it, I wasn't like comfortable in myself. Like Aye. having a book that is as yours, semi-autobiographical. It's got to be a lot of yourself that goes into it. You've got to have a real grip on yourself. You've got to have like you know the ability to actually, even when you're examining harder times, to mm. actually like push through and think of the wider goal. And that is definitely somewhere where I fell down. So having experience in that man, like all fucking power to you. What gives you that? Like, that was, I, I, I was trying, I was going to try and ask this question earlier on, but like, what gives you that belief that you spend five years on something that you're passionate about? Like, I, I've found and I've seen multiple mates and I've been there that passion doesn't always give you enough to no. get you through to this point that you're at right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, like, how do you have that sort of like, unwavering self-belief mate the only way I can describe that right is see when I started writing this book Mm -hmm. I started saying to myself this is this isn't a book this is a war right and you need to keep fighting every single day this is your war do you know what I mean and I'm like after about six years I'm like fucking hell this is like fucking second world war this is never ending man it's never going to stop but I just said to myself even when it was hard right even when I was fucked and moving down to London was one of the big challenges for me like my mental health was poor at the time was in Mm -hmm. a relationship that wasn't working I was very compressed in the city you know, I was struggling to go on tubes and all that, struggling to go out in public. Mm. I was thinking to myself, man, this war will end one day and there will be peace, you know what I mean? But event, you know, you need to keep fighting and make sure the actual, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, it works. So I mate, that's, it was a war. So was it the 
the progress with the book that started to turn that around or was there a journey within yourself that as you started to recognise this inability to go or this unease with yourself that you addressed that or was it, you know, you know, intertwined with the writing? I think, to be honest with you, right, like, um, I, I, the self-belief got me up right to the point where Gutter Magazine in Glasgow messaged me, right, and they were like, we want a feature, and then I thought, this is a green light, because that's often the f- preamble to getting published, right. you get published in a literary journal, you know, and, and that gives a green light to publishers, that there's a, there's a bit of talent here, you know, there's something maybe that we should be looking at, yep. right, and that... That was 2018, right? That was five, you know, five and a half years in mm-hmm. to starting, right? And that was a big one. That was a great moment of vindication for me, Aye. right? And I was that was when it started to become real. And then a month later, I applied to the emergency. Uh, Jonathan is my agent, and then he got back to me. He said, you know, and by this point, right? By the way, I don't know if he's know this, but the young team was writing his free books, right? It wasn't written as okay. one. It was it was merged into one book, right? But it was free books, right, okay. um, and I had. I had remailed it and reworked it myself into one because it just wasn't going anywhere as, as a trilogy, right? So I cut it into one and he said, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I need the immediate commitment to cutting 50,000 words right away, right? And, I was, and he's like, take a couple of weeks because it's a big ask, right? Asking somebody to cut 25% of their, their work is a huge yeah. commitment, do you know what I mean? And I just phoned in, right, and my boss, and I says, I've got a chest infection, I'm not going to win, right? I'm, not gonna, I'm off for a week. And I took four days, right, and I worked 15 hours a day, and I chopped 56,000, right? And I went straight back to him, and I says, I've done it. I've done what you asked, 56 out of 200,000. And he said, that's fine, he signed me right away. He signed wow. me immediately, you know what I mean? And he couldn't believe, like how surgical I'd been to cut it. He's mm. like, and I know you didn't have this pre-prepared. He's like, but actually, you revealed yourself to me by doing that. He yeah. said, because I know how fucking much you know sure, this. The, 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 the work ethic, ethic. 100%. That's it, man. I mean, if the guy ever needed proof that you were going to bust your balls to to actually like produce is, a piece of work, then you've done it. Right is, man. Like, eyes, you know, what inspirational mean? for me is like rap music, right? Like Tupac and all that and Eminem. And I, like, see any moment I was fucking really struggling. I used to put that always yourself on, man. I used to listen to it and I was like, that's, fucking that's just like your fucking moment. Do you know what I mean? I was like, and don't think you're daft because, you know, I'm not saying I'm Eminem and I'm Tupac, right? But like, they were just guys that were trying to tell their story, which mm-hmm. is a street story, and then try to get it out and yep. then try to get into business. You know what I mean? And we see that in every film, man. Like, you know, uh, straight out of Compton and all the films. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like artists, <clears throat> then you get involved with an agent and then a business. They try and make money off you. They try and exploit you. You, mm. you do better. You keep moving up and then, oh, collapse or, or succeed. Mm-hmm. Don't know where, where it's going to go. It's just <laughs> it's early days, you know what I mean? But that, that inspired me, do you know what I mean? And like, mm. I still listen to it. Like, you know, they did the Spotify, what's your best tune? Mm-hmm. Uh, most listened to it. It's yeah. Tupac, you know what I mean? I just laugh because I'm like, it's, it's always Nothing been Nothing even man. close, probably. Nah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. That's cool, man. I, I think I'd like to probably touch on um, the violent reduction side of things because yep. I know that with the book being sort of semi-autobiographical, I've without having read it, making the assumption yep. that a lot of the early days stuff, the school and the gang and the drink and the drugs yep. and whatever else, is going to be in and around your own sort of personal experience. Yes. Um, when we move into like the violence and you know the actual hangover of that violence, like getting arrested, like going yep. to prison and what that exposes you to, that's something that you, I, I'm, I'm gathering for your Twitter feed, have a level of experience through the Violence Reduction Unit where you've actually went into places like Berlin. I, I, I went to shots, I, but I've only been once, right, but it was in, it was talking about drugs rather than violence, but mm-hmm. I, like, I have got an insight into all that, um, and, you know, I was, we were talking about substance abuse, right, right. predominantly, 
And um, I, and I, I gave the figure to these guys that forty two percent. This is the official, right? That forty two percent of homicides are committed under the influence of alcohol. Right, and one of the guys rebuttaled me right away, right, and he said, "We man, it's far higher than that, right." And he asked the group a question. There was maybe there was ten guys, right, and he said, "Were any of you sober when you committed your offence?" Not one hand went up, right. And I says, "Guys, thanks for sharing that, right." It was like for me, you know, I was never in a police cell or a police car when I was sober, right. Yep. I was mm-hmm. never fighting when I was sober. And I, by the way, see, a couple of weeks ago, I tried to count up every time I had fought, you know. And just in case anybody says you are now fighting your life, and I was just like, I want to actually get a number to <laughs> give to people. Absolutely, I want to get a number, not I mean, and to put a physical. Aye. So, everything for a punch to a full on square go, getting battered off from numerous guys and bottle smashed out, you had another 16, right? 16. Wow. And I was like, fucking hell, that's quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? And sure, I didn't even I think I was one of the bad ones that way. Like, mm-hmm. but 16 instances no. of violence, do you know what I mean? And we you know one, one punch can kill. Whether it's you that gets or you, loads of people, one punch, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, you don't realise that, you don't appreciate that, that any time you lift your hands to somebody, the way they fall can be a culpable homicide. Absolutely. And you're a young guy that's, you know, half your face on drugs, no having great mental health, the adrenaline that courses through your system when you're in the middle of a square goal, we've all been there, you know what I mean? It's a really sort of fucking heady mixture it's a mentality right and I, I seen it I seen it with my own eyes and somebody else recently right and I was like fuck I'm like that and do you know what it was it was Jerry Cinnamon and I don't know if you've seen the video everybody's talking about it right mm, but do you know what it was I jumped off the stage somebody threw a bottle and they said what are you doing you think I'm a fucking daft I'll punch your fucking cunt in Aye. and I was like fuck that was me that mm. was that's who I'm at I was like because it wasn't what he done it was somebody done something to him and then he responded my mom was like I don't worry about you getting hit in somebody I worry about somebody punching you and then you fucking killing them and you always mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it, you know, it's that adrenaline response, and I think, Aye. and it is, you know what I mean? And like, that's something like you need to talk about with yourself and like anger management. And Absolutely. you know, like, I remember a bus driver nearly ran me over in London, right? It, me and my, my girlfriend were getting into the car, this guy nearly fucking chopped me against it, and I was like, and I just lost it, man. I was shouting at him, and he, he, he like leaned out the bus, and he's like, watch yourself, you fucking idiot. And I, and I just lost it, man. I was like, like a fucking psycho. Still mm, going that, shouting. That and my girlfriend's reaction. like, that was pure embarrassing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think don't learning know, to deal with your anger is like one of, for me, especially for me because it manifested itself yep. in different ways. But learning how to deal with my anger was a huge part of like learning how to just recover and whatever recovery we talk yeah. about, whether it be recovery or like growing up where I grew up or the healing, healing, exactly. Healing, a better word. Like, but I, I always like. You see, like in this, we're at Charing Cross, and I go to work in the morning and walk across there, and the amount of people that are rattling the horn, rattling the horn, rattling the horn. Yeah. I was like to my missus, like, wonder what's going on with that guy because I that's used to be that guy. I was a today. prick. Road rage is I was, like, I was a fucking prick. Road rage is one of the things that I'm always pure. That is just somebody that is just so tense and so uh, so internalized. It just explode. It just explodes out, and then when you couple yeah. that. We the, the toxic masculinity that you were talking about earlier on yep. where you're taught don't ever let anybody disrespect you if somebody hits you you hit them back mm-hmm. that's the mentality that Aye. you need to get that to fuck well, my dad used to say to me you hit them fucking first exactly because as soon you as you, I mean? you get you get a sense that somebody's gonna do something you fucking Straight go to them first, first. I, I know and you know what like it took me a long time right and I remember um and I, I remember one of the moments, right, where I started to conquer us, and I was in uni, right, and Sterling had like a wee golf course on it, right, so we'd get a couple of clubs, and we were with a couple of Americans, right, and see this guy, 
he wouldn't say about you, I guess he was a lovely guy, right? And the, these guys shouted at him in the golf course. And I just had this moment. I was like, I'm going to take one of the golf clubs and I'm going to be like, fuck it, these guys. And I said to myself, calm yourself down, right? And it was like this moment, do you know what I mean? And I was like, just calm down. This is ridiculous, do you know what I mean? Aye. And I was like, no bother, guys. Like, sorry, we're taking a wee minute. We'll just boil them. And mm-hmm. then we just go on it. And I was like, do you know what? It was a powerful experience. Like, just calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like take a breath. And you they say that and that kind of thing. Like, take a breath. Because mm-hmm. see, after a minute, I, I guarantee you, you'll feel better. Really remove yourself. If, if, if nothing else, remove yourself. Lose face, remove yourself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. See that losing face? It's that reputation, the Aye. ego. Mm-hmm. And by the way, humiliation is a great driver of violence. Aye. Somebody done this to my bird. Somebody tried to fire out my bird. Somebody said this about me. You know, my ego is now bruised. My my That's that. Somebody said something about my mom. I mean, so whatever it is, all these silly things. You're like, now I need some cosmic justice. I need to go and smash this guy. It's, it's, pathi- it's pathetic. It really yeah. is, It's man. pathetic. That, that it just echoes everything that I was taught growing up about because yeah. it was always that pure, don't let anybody say it into your fucking maw. See, your are That was season, one that blah, would be red Absolutely. And me too. You know me too. I, mean? I know. That, that just... That just came down for my dad, and my my dad grew up. And we've spoke about this many times in the podcast. My dad grew up in Duke Street. Was born in nineteen forty-five. I know. He came through a time exactly <laughs> where if you did not stand up for yourself, you were getting you, you fucking terrorised. Exactly. Aye. And my dad I didn't was grow up with the Thompsons. <laughs> exactly. Royston, and, and exactly. there were different times, but I had the echoes of that in my ear, and then. I, when I think back to the guys that I was on the playground way and went out and were drinking on the street corner way, they had the echoes of that. And then I'm just hoping, hoping like, that we can just move fucking past that. I, I think we've reached. I, mean? I think we must reach like a point in our evolution, right? Where we, you know, and, and by the way, I'm going to go back to train spot and right. See when he, he's in the club and he says the successful and the social sphere separate themselves and like sick boys banging into the birds and then renting standing in the corner. Aye. And I think, by the way, violence is like that. And, you know, we're like stags fighting, man. We're, cla- we're clashing antlers to pull birds. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? In real life. But we, we should reach a point where you say, actually, being an evolved masculine figure in 21st century Scotland means you, you can express your emotions. You can treat birds right. See if uh-huh. somebody starts with you. You don't lose face because you say, do you know what? That's not for me. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that, that is modern yep. masculinity. Like, that's where we should aim for. And that's, that's what I want to teach my sons if I ever have any mm-hmm. to be. You know, like, you can be the bigger man. And by the way, that, my granny used to say that. Ah, bigger man walks away and I says no the bigger man swings punches and batters folk mm-hmm. but actually she was right and it's an old saying but it's very hard to reach mm-hmm. that and it's like an enlightenment almost yeah. and that's what the young team's all about by the way it's yeah. that you know it's that you know as he says and later on in the book you know we used, he talks about the boldness inside and he said the boldness inside is all you've got if people are going to smash you or people start with you and he's like just keep the boldness inside do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You don't need to put it out to the world, you know, and, and that's the journey that Azzy takes by the end of the book. We see Azzy is that, you know, he's he's an evolved masculine yep. figure now. He doesn't want to be involved in violence. He's an outsider. He's, he doesn't take drugs. He's trying to help people mm-hmm. and he's dealing with trauma. And we see that manifest in the book and we see it in his character. But then, you know, the whole book is about a progress to violence and then away from it, you mm-hmm. know, and I won't, I won't spoil it for anybody who's not ready, but it's, it's that journey that, that is at the heart of the young team. Mm-hmm. I, what, what's... Where are you in that journey? Me? I think I'm past it, but like you say that, right? But see if somebody, you know, slapped my bird in the arse when I was walking around town with a weather on. I don't know. Uh, you don't know. It's terrifying, you know, like I don't know, right? I, I would need to be at a very advanced stage to say, you know what I mean? Mon 
remove ourselves but that's the best thing you can do is you know because what, what advice would you give a young guy remove yourself right because mm-hmm. i don't know that guy i'm never going to see him again what if he goes and tells his pals who cares mm-hmm. right it's, okay. remove your ego it's that's very exactly, difficult it's very difficult that's exactly what happens is, is that people right. have these stories inside their head where it's like he's going to go and brag about that and then that that's makes it. me look like a mug correct to people that you don't know it's these inner narratives <laughs> you have, inner narratives, by the way yeah you know and he's talking about me you know, he thinks I'm a dafty. And by the way, like the, that moment in the young team is inspired by something that happened to me in school, right? Because um, I f- it was a long story, but basically this guy had grasped on me, right? And I was suspended, he wasn't. He? And that was basically an echo of why I'd been expelled from my first school, right? For hitting okay. somebody. And basically, I had no intention of starting a fight with this guy because I'd read train spot and I had dreams of going to university, right? But people started to say, he's gonna, I'm going to hit this guy, right? And this guy heard. And then he come up to me and he says, Folk are starting to say stuff, you know, but who's saying it now? And I remember thinking, I'm going to fucking batter you, son. You don't know how close you are to getting leathered right now, uh, right? I was like, I'm going to batter you, right? And I knew I could, do you know what I mean? And it would start a whole fucking can of worms, right? And I thought, do you know what? Fuck it. I just walked away, right? And I was like, that was powerful. I was like, what a moment. And then see you next day, a wee guy come up to him, he's like, I heard you shat yourself, right? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And that was the moment because whatever I said to this wee guy, that wasn't the real test, wasn't the walking away. It was what I'd done next, right? Because mm. see, see if I said to that guy, I'll fucking punch his cunt in. Go and get him. That was it. It was yeah, gone. Uh, it was well, the moment you walked away with the phone, I leaned away. I was like to myself, right, you've done it then, you can do it now. And every time you do it, it gets stronger. You know what I mean? It's the same uh, way every time you turn down drugs, it gets better, it gets stronger. You get stronger. Definitely. It's a process, you know what I mean? The, it, the ego is is the you know I mean that's the driver ah, it's all shit you've just invented in oh, your own head a lot of the time powerful it doesn't feel like it but that was so that interesting age, you, know? you said Paul by the way it's like an inner narrative man we, we have these negative fucking narratives inside our oh, body and we go you know what I mean I'm, I'm a dick I'm, I don't look good you know what I mean we pat ourselves down all the time yeah. we hang you know, my bum I need to do something man shit happens in the blink of an eye inside your head like the, the, whenever shit like that has ever happened to me and I, I can only look back on this because it's so it's so hard for you to like rationalise it in your brain. But I hear everything that my dad said to me, all the times when I've been embarrassed, <laughs> no fault this guy, no fault fella, all that shame just piles on your shoulders like that. And sometimes you just you just black out. I know, you like just, if you, you were literally a, you know, black see if you were a film director, you would have like a flashback scene. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you wake up the next morning. That's not just like everything you said there, like all your negative stuff, you know what I mean? And now it's just projected onto this guy's nose, you know what I mean? You need to hit that fucking target. Mm-hmm. But actual, like, how do we prevent violence? Like, we tell guys that, do you know what? It doesn't matter what people think of you. It's up to you. You're the driver of your own destiny, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I would hope even books like yours are partly how we start to combat this because when we talk about that lived experience and yeah. the, the truth of that lived experience is plain and obvious like that's how we learn because we had the craze and the thompsons and the campbells and we read the books and we heard the stories from our dads and our uncles yeah. and the guide in the pub and all the rest of it whereas like now hopefully this generation get to hear your story and get to hear stories like Bless yours you, man, where you know, people actually are faced with violence, are faced with trauma, are faced with tough decisions and poor mental health and whatever else, you know, society throws at them and is able to overcome and actually take what begins as a story of the pursuit of violence and becomes a story Trans- of the rejection of violence. Trans- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the only way, or it's going to be one of the ways that we stop these sort of violent and sort of regressive cycles of behaviour in young men is to actually say to them, no man, like, there's another way and like, 
here's an example. But what you've said there was just so eloquently put, mate, and it's just the absolute vision of the young team. Like you've encapsulated it without even reading it. That is the dream of the young team. Mm-hmm. It's to give people a toolkit to say, do you know what? It doesn't matter what people think of you. Like, see, if somebody calls you a dafty, they're going to be in the jail. They're not going to make it, mate. You're going to be the one that's got a good life, got a nice partner, got nice children. Do you know what Aye. I mean? You'll have all the things you've ever wanted and you deserve them. And so do they, but they just don't realise it because they want to pass through the bad stuff. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, what does it matter? Like, what, see that guy, you know what I mean? What if he jumped about telling everybody I uh, battered him, he shot it? What is, I don't even remember his fucking name. Aye. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't Aye. even matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, his name is it's pointless now. And you know what I mean? Like, in those split seconds, we make decisions that can change our own futures, our family's futures, our communities, and our personal futures. Definitely. Like, I, you know, I was asked by the Daily Record, what was the worst violence you were involved in? And I said, well, I, I bottled a boy because they attacked me. You know, he punched me and then six of his mates attacked me, right? And I said, and he said, how do you feel about that? And I said, I'm, I'm very, very grateful the bottle never burst for both our sakes, do you know what I mean? For him and Absolutely. for me, do you know what I mean? And like five minutes later, they did bust a bottle and, and try to stab me with it, do you know what I mean? But that, you know, I could have smashed that bottle, his Aye. bottle in the face, Who you know knows what I mean? Who knows what the consequences serious, of that would have been? Injuries, you know what I mean? And like, Aye. it's terrible, do you know what I mean? Would have been like, in the territory of that boy we spoke about who was a bit of a bam who was looking to make a name for himself and then the next thing he's got a machete in somebody's head, do you know, you know what I mean? And, like, and, those split settings are life defining that is you know what I mean you know, life changing absolutely so what's next for you mate um, you... I'm halfway through the next book mate Raveheart it's based on Raveheart uh, what a name that's <laughs> fucking brilliant it's da- based on the uh, rave culture mate and uh, this is an exclusive by the way so it's basically the DJ in the time capsule is sacked and goes home and has a vision of Kelo Arena who comes and tells him he needs to save the rave. So he needs like to go TTF a, or something? Uh, he goes on a quest, right, or, or to, to uh, unite the, the heroes of Naughty's dance oh, music. Are you sure you're after drugs? <laughs> 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 and trade secrets. <laughs> what was I going to say? So I mate, Raveheart, it's, it's going to be good. It's half written, you know, I just need to get back on the wagon with it. Um, Love the sound of it, man. It's, it sounds fun. It's fun, mate, mm. do you know what I mean? There's no drugs, there's no violence. It's purely just a celebration of the culture. Um... And I've toyed with writing like the, the real story of gangs. Like I've actually got most of that down. Mm. Needs refinement, you know. I don't know what I want to do with that yet. Yeah. Um but I like you know, I had a wee play on to live and die on LA, the two pack tune, to live and die in Lanarkshire, that's what I was thinking about. Like, you know what it's it's different, you know. People ask uh, me, is all is this you? You know, is this you and your pals? And I think God, if you were to read about me and my pals, you would realise it's not, you know what I mean? Absolutely like right. it's real life is much stranger than fiction. Mm. Fiction like makes sense. Real life doesn't always, you know what I mean? Like no. You know, and, and when you read that, you'll feel that it. it's a different vibe. It's mm-hmm. a different energy. You know, like this, this is like well-written fiction. You know, it's got a beginning, middle and end. You know, the, the right. memoir's just like pure memories. Life isn't it like that. It isn't, Aye, it, mate. It's not. It? it just doesn't work that way. Sometimes the most horrifying stuff you just couldn't even fathom it put into fiction. Is, because people would call, you, call, call it bullshit, do you know what I mean? Exactly. Most of the time, do you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. By the way, yeah. absolutely. You know and I've mean? said that, you know, like I've, I've experienced stuff that's so fucking unbelievable that you just... You just couldn't write it. Mm-hmm. But I tried, you know what I mean? And actually, when you read it, you go, wow. Mm. Aye. You know? But I don't know. That will come eventually. No, that's... I'm looking forward to Ray Fart. already. We've been the first one and we're already chewing a bit about the uh, That was one. like a wrap-up, but just as like a last sort of question for me, do you find that the confidence that you're getting for things like um, Waterstone selling out of books, like the First Minister tweeting that she's reading your book, that, is that feeding like your creativity are you like writing mer off the back of that is there like an energy coming off it no mate and I'll tell you why right because I see the creative side in that the business side is completely different right like 
for me, the creative stuff starts in the shower, and I know that sounds funny, right? Because I think my girlfriend just think I did something else, you know what I mean? But it wasn't. She used to say that, right? But honestly, like, the sound of the water, right? And then I would start to, like, just, like, almost daydream, you know what I mean? I'd start to get wee scenes and characters, right? And I, how Rayfart started, right? was like, I seen a guy eating a piece at the garage, right? And like firing at his boss, you know what I mean? And like having this like midweek monotonies, one of the big themes in there, like how right. we fucking hate our jobs, do you mm. know what I mean? Like, fuck. Like, we don't want to do what we do, man. This guy will use his rave to transcend their boredom. And I was like, this is a fucking character. What's his name? Like, DJ Wally, you know what I mean? It's like, it sounds funny, do you know what I mean? And like, who's his sidekick? Mjorka Lee, you know what I mean? <laughs> Feltrasonic, and the two of them are going on this adventure. And that, that's the dream, that's the fun bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you just start to go into the dreams, and it, all the funny part comes, you know what I mean? And like, I've let people read a couple of bits, and they've been fucking pissing themselves, do you know what I mean? They're like, mate, this is dynamite. It's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And like, so I mate, but that's a different place. Like, yeah. I want to go back here really, really soon, but I need to eat just to, like everything's crazy, you know. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it will calm, and then I'll go straight back in. Yeah, full promo mode at the minute. It is, mate, and it's different. You know what I mean? You need to mind your peas. Like, I've been really honest with you guys, and just because oh, right. we're just chatting like the way we talk. You know what I mean? But like, you guys are not the BBC. <laughs> Aye, do you know what I mean? And like, it's nice to come to a space where we can talk as an artist, and like, as just a boy Ferdry, mm-hmm. you know, and talk frankly. You know what I mean? And, you, man, and I, you're like, more welcome back. No, mate, I'd come when, back. Uh, Rave Heart comes out and any other time you feel like it man like uh, you know you've went into your second print in the day which is a big one I to know, congratulate I, I, you oh, on thank you mate that's and, really um, really exciting you know, just want to say like best of luck with it like we wish you all the success and, thank you mate like you know I hope I mean? you boys read it and identify like oh, the, the debate we've had tonight has been so fantastic honestly it's like the actual deeper narratives that you just don't get to speak to with journalists mm-hmm. you know what I mean but you, mm-hmm. guys, you boys get it and it's because you're you're fair, you're local, Aye. you know. And and by the way, there's boys in every city in this whole country that would exactly get that. it. They might not speak the way we do, they might not look the way we do, but they'd get trauma, you Aye. know, and they get the pain, mate. So no, Either thank themes you, and whatever else that are relevant to boys in Manchester and London. Travels, you know what I mean? The, the message is good and the message well travelled, you know what Aye. I mean? It's just like we need to just the, the promo stuff is the gateway to doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's important to commit to doing that, you know what I mean? Like that's the, the vehicle that drives the message. You know, and, and I obviously sales, you know what I mean? That's a business. Do you know what I mean? They need to make money. Obviously, I need to make oven. I've gone full time. <laughs> I need to eat, mate. <laughs> Fuck, I know. That's what, you know, my mom said to me, like, you need to remember, like, this is a business for you now. You know, I know you're passionate about doing charity work and you are and I am. Do you know what I mean? Yep. But she's like, you need to balance that. We try to do paid opportunities or you'll not be able to. You'll be back selling cars six days yeah. a week and you'll be exhausted. Self care, man. That Always, is, mate. I know, mate. Thanks easy. for coming in, man. No, it's been nice. pleasure, man. Been Absolute pleasure. Amazing talking to you, man. And, like, I've got this. I, I wanted to read the book. I get sent the, the copy for your 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 agent or yeah, whoever yeah, I was yeah. engaging with. But I've got this twelve books in twelve months fucking shit that I've <laughs> that I've committed to. You got a copy already, you can't. Uh, and I got I got a, I got it a couple of days ago. I've not been sitting on it then, but I, I've got this twelve books in twelve months. But it, my April book's been pushed back, and I'm going yeah. to read this in April. Aye, Unfortunately, nice I was man. halfway through my, my February and then into March when I got it. So I'm getting him with his copy. Aye, so March <laughs> going to be the first thing I'm going to read. I hope you enjoy it. Like honestly, Aye, man, you, you get it. You boys get it. You're going to enjoy it. I read the first it. twenty pages and was like, Aye. I get this, man. I, I know this is. So, mate, like people in their forties and all that, mate, like much older than me, for different places, different times, are like, this is real having my youth. Aye. You know what I mean? And it's because like, things don't change. That's what you're saying. It's cyclical. I specificities will change, right? Specificities, but actually the real story doesn't change. Mm-hmm. No. And we need to try and change it. Definitely. No, Absolutely, man. mate. Awesome, man. That's right. a good note to end it on, man. So thanks again for coming on. Yep. Thanks, I'm a wee guys. Thanks Cheers. for having me.
lightning falls when there is panic in the sky. Thunder calls when all but fear is left to die. You tell it like it's fantasy, something that you're never going to be. Same old story every day, there's just one thing that I have to if we believe, if we trusted you, then I don't know why you say the things you do. You'd see a whole new way to be, giving honest answers and not those lies to me. Empty halls now filled with echoes of their past On our stars they lived each day like it's their last You tell it like it's fantasy, something that you're never going to Every day, there's just one thing that I have to say That if we believe, if we trusted you Then I don't know why you say the things you do You'd see a whole new way to be Giving honest answers and not those lies to me I can tell that you're on a mission just to break the walls down time and time again If it wasn't true, would it be okay to break the walls down time and time again? If we believe, if we trusted you Then I don't know why you say the things you do You'd see a whole new way to be Giving honest answers and not those lies to me Believe, if we trusted you then I don't know why you say the things you do You'd see a whole new way to be Giving honest answers and not those lies to me